us this morning. If you're following in your Bibles, you can turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, and I'll read from the familiar passage of the Lord's Prayer in just a little bit. As we pray together, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. And God's people said, Amen. As most of you know, Melanie and I became empty nesters when our daughter Isabella started college at James Madison University last August. They say your child will be really homesick when they go away. I think they were wrong, whoever they is. We were the ones who were homesick for her. She's our only, so everything's a first. When we moved her into her dorm and drove back home, it was like the emptiness just dropped in and took up residence. We're coping along, but it's been quite an adjustment for us. We're thankful that Isabella has a really nice dorm. There's everything that she needs there, a comfortable bed, a wardrobe closet for her clothes, an extra tall dorm-sized refrigerator she and her roommates share, a box under her loft for snacks and goodies, a TV, and even Melanie and I made the, the wall. We, our picture's there, so we're very thankful. There are a lot of dining choices on campus, much different from when we were in college back in the 80s. And there, the dorm shares a large kitchen. You can use a microwave, the washer and dryer, and all of that. She has all the comforts of home. But when she was home the other week for spring break, she said, there's nothing like home. JMU is just her temporary home. Her home is here in Midlothian with us. Home is where family is. There's something special about home. As Christians, we can say that same very thing. This earth is temporary. The third rock from the sun is our home away from our heavenly home. Because Jesus said, you are not of this world. When Jesus prayed for his disciples the night before he died on the cross, as is recorded in John chapter 17, he prayed to God, speaking of his disciples and us, they are not of the world, even as I am not of it. He prayed, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. When Jesus was brought before the Roman governor Pontius Pilate and questioned about what he had done wrong, Jesus responded, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish religious leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. 
John 18 and 36. Jesus was constantly reminding his disciples that they were strangers in a foreign land. Author Philip Yancey expresses this beautifully in his book entitled Prayer. Jesus, of all people, knew the contrast between the two places, earth and heaven. On earth, he writes, Jesus daily confronted tokens of opposition to the will of God. Mothers thrust sick babies toward him. Beggars called out. Widows grieved. Demons mocked him. Enemies stalked him. In such an an alien environment, Yancey says that Jesus turned to prayer both as a refuge from threatening crowds and as a reminder of his true home, a place that had no evil, no pain, and no death. Just as you heard Pastor Philip read from the book of Revelation earlier. The Christian band Petra captures captured this in their title track of their 1983 album, Not of This World. Part of the lyrics are, we are strangers, we are aliens, we are not of this world. As you and I journey toward Easter, may this message stick like Velcro. We are not of this world. We were made for eternity. There is more to this life than this life because heaven is our true home. With this in mind, how can we see ourselves as eternal beings on earth? How can we see ourselves as God sees us, eternal beings on this earth? To help us with this question, we need to see the big picture. We can step back and imagine how God sees creation, how God sees us. We recall the name given to God by Hagar as recorded in Genesis 16, the Hebrew name El Roy translated, the God who sees me. We can say the same thing about God. God, you are the God who sees me. You are the God who sees us. We are your beloved children. We are created in your image, O God. We are worthy of your love. We are valued. We matter to God. While earth is our temporary home, we await a home in heaven that God is preparing even now for us, as his word says. Again, you heard read earlier, my, Jesus said, My father's house has many rooms or many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go there and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Jesus said, I'm that way. I am the way. So in this season, in this time of our earthly pilgrimage, we are to live on earth as it is in heaven, as Jesus taught in the Lord's Prayer. Here's how it is recorded by Matthew in chapter 6, starting with verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have, for, have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus referred to heaven two times in the prayer. That's where I'd like to focus, on those two mentions of heaven. He said, Father in heaven. This points to the otherness of God, the holiness of God, to the supreme power of God, the supreme rule of God, God as creator and sustainer of all that exists. When we say Father in heaven, we express the truth that God is wholly other, W-H-O-L-L-Y, that God is wholly other, and holy is his name. We sung it beautifully in the early part of the service. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, Father in heaven. And then Jesus taught the disciples to pray, saying, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is saying that when we pray, we are seeking God's help to make us more heavenly, to bring heaven to earth, to be more and more like Jesus who dwells at the throne of God and with us, to make our churches more and more reflective of the body of Christ, and to make our communities more and more reflective of the kingdom of God. In Scripture, the kingdom of God is another way of saying kingdom of heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, O God. That is our desire. And we join God in his redemptive work, bringing this broken earth to healing, restoring it as it was initially intended to be, a redeemed Garden of Eden where everything is made brand new. Listen to the very next chapter as recorded in Revelation, the vision that John received. You, can, you, you might want to close your eyes as you listen to this beautiful description of heaven. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will need not the lamp of the light nor of the sun, for the Lord will give them the light. And they will reign forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Can you see it? As Christians, we are to live each day with heaven in mind. 
we are heavenly creatures. Seeing with heaven in mind. Seeing others with heaven in mind. Seeing the world around us in the same way. Being good stewards of what God has gifted to us. Taking care of this good earth. The Holy Spirit of God who indwells our hearts and minds gives us the ability to see as God sees, seeing through the eyes of love. Perhaps we can start each day with a glimpse of heaven. Many of you remember Ted Adams, one of our longtime members who died in January of 2019. Ted was the son of Reverend Theodore F. Adams, who served as Richmond, as the pastor of Richmond's First Baptist Church from 1936 to 1968. When I met with Ted's four sons, the grandchildren of Reverend Adams, to plan their dad's funeral service, they shared with me a calling card from their grandfather, and they wanted me to have a copy of it. The calling card, which I'm holding this morning, has a quote that meant the world to Dr. To, to, uh, Theodore F. Adams. And it goes like this. Every morning, lean thine arms a while on the windowsill of heaven and gaze upon the Lord. And then, with the vision in thy sight, turn strong to meet thy day. Turn strong to meet thy day. In the mornings when I begin my alone time with God, I look out the window that's across the hall from where my study is. Our house is on a hill, and so we see the rooftops across the street and then the trees around them. And so I, I, I try to imagine glimpsing heaven in the mornings with this little saying, leaning my elbows and asking God to help me to see heaven throughout my day. Help me to live, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven. Help me, Lord, to see this day as you see this day. Because the journey of this life is not the destination. Our hearts tell us that there is more to this life than this life. And we know better than to call this earth home. The Apostle Paul reminds us that this life is headed somewhere far greater and he calls us to lift our eyes heavenward because there is much more to see. He wrote to the Corinthians, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve. Paul lived homeward and heavenward. He wrote to the Philippians that we are citizens of heaven. And he knew that life in Christ was heading somewhere far greater than this earth. He encourages us to have a mindset that is the best 
to be the best yet to be. A heavenly mindset. In Philippians 3, 13 and 14, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to take hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize to which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And in Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. In verse 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and now your life is hidden with Christ in God. There are two important verbs in that Colossians passage I want to point out. As we move to our conclusion, in verse 1, Paul writes, Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. The Greek verb translated set your hearts, set, is the Greek verb zeteo. And it literally means to seek in order to find, to strive after, to aim at, or even to crave. I believe Paul is encouraging us to be obsessed with heaven and not to let anything on earth get in the way of it. Set your hearts on things above. In verse 2, he said, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. But he uses a different verb. The Greek verb is phroneo, and it means to exercise your mind, to think about, or even to savor as one would savor the aroma of a delicious meal being prepared. Last night, as I was finishing preparations for today's message, I was in my study, and Melanie was down in the kitchen preparing a delicious meal. The aroma permeated the entire house. It is honey garlic chicken. Wonderful. Honey, bell pep, uh, red pepper, pineapple, garlic, some tomato-based sauce, and the chicken as you put it all over rice. The house this morning still has that aroma. And I was sitting up there working, like, I want to be down there where that is. If you want the recipe, you holler at me, and I'll make sure that you get it. With our hearts and minds set heavenly reveals that we have an innate longing for our heavenly home. Just as I longed to taste that delicious meal that was being prepared because I could smell the aroma, we have a longing for heaven. Let me illustrate. Now, if you are not cat lovers, you can take a nap for the next few minutes, and then I'll bring you back, okay? But if you are cat lovers or you're just curious about what I'm going to say, tune in. 
because some animals have an innate ability to return to their home if they're lost. There are a lot of theories, but no one really knows for sure. I read this story about Buddy the Cat, a couple named John and Carol who live in Long Island, New York, had taken Buddy the Cat, 10 years old by the way, to the veterinarian for a very brief, simple surgical procedure. As they were getting out of their vehicle in the parking lot, the, they didn't realize it, but the door to the, cra- the crate was not closed. And Buddy escaped from the crate and took off into the woods. John and Carol went running after Buddy, and he was nowhere to be found. And they went in and told the vet, and they were all upset about what happened to Buddy. About three weeks later, at four in the morning, John heard a scratching on the back door. Who do you think it was? Buddy had returned. He found his way home several miles away the veterinarian's office was. John said, at first I thought I was dreaming because I'd been dreaming of Buddy. I knew, though, it was him without even seeing him. It was the same scratch and the same cry. Their vet said, more cats than dogs have this instinct and know how to find their way home. Now, you can, if you weren't a cat lover, you can tune back in. Maybe you're a bird lover. And I want you to think about homing pigeons would also have the innate ability to find their way to their destination and back home after going hundreds, even a thousand miles or so. Some experts say they have magnetite in their brains and in their beaks, which enables them to navigate the Earth's magnetic field. Others say that it's their keen sense of hearing, that they can hear frequencies that people and other animals cannot hear and enables them to find their way back home. Others say that it's their keen sense of smell that leads them back home, that they're the bloodhounds of the sky. A study I read in Scientific American found that homing pigeons combine precise internal compasses and memorized landmarks to retrace a path back to their loft. Uh, And they did this study that birds, homing pigeons that had not taken a specific trip for some three to four years and then fitted with a GPS tracking device were able to somehow find their way back home even after all of that time. Might I suggest that we are human homing pigeons? What God gave to them, God gave to you and to me. Because we have an innate desire to know our Creator. We were born heaven-equipped with a hunger and obsession for heaven. We have an innate tracking device set someplace we have yet to see. Nowadays, if you want to buy a house, most of the time you go on the internet first and look at it before you ever go visit it. Perhaps you've done that and you've gone to Zillow or one of the other websites to learn all about the house you're looking at. 
You can see each room in close detail. Is the carpet from the 70s and 80s? Or has it been updated? How about the backsplash in the kitchen? The age of the appliances? And then you can order an inspection and learn all about the house and the foundation and all of the structural components. You can know just about everything there is to know about that house without even setting foot in it. You can be intimately acquainted with this house before you ever call it home. Christ wants us to do the same, to obsess ourselves with the what's next, with our heavenly home. What will it be like to see Jesus face to face? What will heaven look like? What will it sound like? What will it be like to walk down streets of gold? What will it be like to see the tree of life with all the fruit in season all year long? What will it be like? Who will we see there? Will I dance before you, Jesus, or in awe will I be still? Just imagine what it will be like. Paul says to set our hearts on things above, to set our minds on the what's next. The soul needs long gazes into the next life, into the windowsill of heaven. We need that look. We need keep heaven in our sights because this earth sure is hard, isn't it? It's really tough, especially when we have dark nights of the soul. And in the midst of all of that, the hurt and the suffering and the brokenness, we have the promise of a glorious life to come. May you and I, may we think long and hard about what awaits us because there is much more to this life than this life.